Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, our live-streamed church services, and the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael in part two of his teaching called, I Lay My Hand on My Mouth. Think about the word consider, because that's what God is asking us to do. With each cameo of a bird or an animal, he's saying, look a little bit deeper. Your heavenly father even cares for the ravens. Check this out. This is Psalm 147, 8 and 9. Who covers the heavens with clouds? Who provides rain for the earth? Who makes grass to grow on the mountains? He gives to the beast its food and to the young ravens which cry. Psalm 147, Verse 9. Now I want you to turn to Psalm 104, and this is just going to be a little bit now to your right. The Psalms are right next door, Psalm 104. I want to take you through a Psalm that's going to anticipate some of the animals that we're going to see in this teaching. Psalm 104, we're going to start in verse 10. Psalm 104, verse 10. It says, He sends forth springs in the valleys, they flow between the mountains. Psalm 104, 11. They give drink to every beast of the field. Notice in verse 10, he sends forth springs in the valleys. You have the wild donkeys. They quench their thirst. Besides them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They lift up their voices among the branches. 13, he waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of his works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle. All of this is God. And vegetation for the labor of man so that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine which makes man's heart glad so that he makes his, uh, may make his face glisten with oil and food which sustains man's heart. The trees of the Lord drink their fill, the cedars of Lebanon which he planted, where the birds build their nests and the stork whose home is the fir trees, 18. The high mountains are for the wild goats. We're going to see them in a moment. The cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers who are chucking their rocks at people. <laughs> Do rock badgers throw rocks? Stop throwing those rocks. Anyway, I thought you might need a, maybe that's a little laugh. I don't know. Who made the moon for the seasons? 19. The sun knows the place of its setting. Thou does appoint darkness and it becomes night in which all the beasts of the forest prowl about. 21. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their food from God. When the sun rises, they withdraw and lie down in their dens. And then, notice, man goes forth to his work. After they withdraw, man gets up and works and to his labor until evening. O oh Lord, notice, 24, how many are thy works in wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy possessions. Back to Job. Now, you may be asking, this whole thing about wild animals, predator and prey, uh, what's up with that? Well, here's the deal. As a human, do you know that you're at the top of the food chain? Now, I know that there are some people who are vegetarians and vegans and whatever, but man is at the top of the food chain. And even though when we go to the market and we might buy something, it's been prepared by a butcher, so we don't have to deal with all of that. But the point is, is that God has made provisions for all of us. That's the larger point. God designs and God provides. This is from Ash in his commentary on Job. He says, 
Suffering of one provides survival of another. Is it possible that in the counsel of God, this age is so ordered that suffering for some is necessary for the survival of others? Is this process of predation also a pointer to a deeper truth? Perhaps even the truth of redemptive suffering, that of Christ. That the day will come when the suffering of one innocent man will be God's means to bring life to a whole redeemed community. And he puts a question mark on it. It's something to consider. In the book of Ecclesiastes, as the writer ponders the, the, the deep things of life, and, and a lot of them are tough to deal with. They're enigmas. They're difficulty. He says, a generation, Ecclesiastes 1.4, goes and a generation comes. But the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets. And hastening to its place, it rises again, blowing toward the south and turning toward the north. The wind continues swirling along, and on its circular courses, the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. In chapter 3, uh, verses 1 and 2 of Ecclesiastes, the writer says, there's appointed, an appointed time for everything. There's a time for every event under heaven, under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. Some of you have experienced this. You have a loved one who passes away. And within that same time frame, a new child comes into the family. Maybe it's a child or a grandchild or a great-grandchild, and life comes and death takes another. And, and in this, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, vanity, man. <laughs> All these things are vanity because he's looking at life under the sun. He's not looking at life above the sun, if you will, from God's perspective. And this is what we need, especially in these times, but really in all times. We need to understand that our lives are not about just here and now. And trials do something important for us. They remove some of our worldliness. Because if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. And trials and suffering have a tendency to remove our worldliness. We don't, we don't uh, rely so heavily on the things of the world that are passing away, but he who does the will of the Lord abides forever. You can check out 1 John chapter, one, verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. See, trials and suffering remove our worldliness. Let me ask you, and I'm asking myself during this time, do I have some worldliness that needs to go? Some things that grab my time and attention that really don't have much to do with God and his kingdom. Do you know 39.1 back in Job? Do you know the time that the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the deer? Now we have probably the Nubian ibex for the mountain goat. The third cameo is the mountain goat. And then we have the deer as well. The Nubian ibex inhabit the steep, steep cliffs of the wilderness in Israel, they are present in the regions of Qumran and Gedi and Sinai. They're up on the rocks. They're beautiful creatures. And uh, they stay there on the rocky hillsides. Their light tan bodies with lighter brown stomachs blend in well, well with the rocky hillside. 
The male has two magnificent horns that curl backward. These graceful creatures are very shy and are endowed with a keen sense of smell. The hind or the fallow deer has similar characteristics. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. Now, God is talking about the time that they give birth. Notice the emphasis on the time. Do you know the time the mountain goats give birth? Can you count the months, verse 2? Do you know the time that they give birth? Their offspring become strong, verse 4, chapter 39. They grow up and move into the open field. They do not return, if you will, to their parents. Job, question from God. Do you number the time uh, of pregnancy and delivery, the time of delivery of these particular animals? Think about how many times this happens throughout the, the known world. And God says, I am is there. I am there. I care about the time I number the months of pregnancy. The language, says a couple of authors, implies that he's not just counting the months, but lovingly, compassionately caring about the time to deliver, the time of pregnancy and the time of delivery. Job, I care about those things, and I care about you too. You see, folks, brothers and sisters, our times are in God's hands. Even this time, right now. God has not moved from his throne. This time is in his hands. You can write down Psalm 31, verse 15. My times are in your hands, O God. Even the time right now is in his hands. And you know, when you think about this idea of birth pangs and then the giving of birth This is how life often works. Jesus used this image to describe the last days. And he described the birth pangs of a mother who's about to give birth and they they get more intense and closer together. And then the baby's born and the mom forgets about her, her trial for the joy of the baby that's been born. And sorrow lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And here's the point of this image of the birthing and the time. God's saying, yes, you're going through a difficult time, Job, right now. Yes, we're going through a difficult time, an unprecedented time for us right now. But it's going to pass, and it's going to give birth to a new morning, a new joy, a new beginning. And that's my prayer. And when that new beginning comes, should God grant it to us, and I pray and I'm confident that he will, Let us not forget this season, brethren. Don't forget what God did in your spiritual life at this moment. Because we forget so easily. The fourth cameo, if I'm counting right, is found in 39.5 of Job. And it's the wild donkey. Who sent out the wild donkey free? Who loosed the bonds of the swift donkey? To whom I gave the wilderness for a home. And the salt land could speak of the area of the Dead Sea for his dwelling place. He scorns the tumult of the city, the shoutings of the driver. He does not hear because he's not under a burden. He's free. Unlike his domesticated uh, partner, he's out in the wilderness. He's been set free. He's not under heavy burdens. And he explores the mountains for his pasture and he searches. Keywords in verse 8, he explores and searches after every green thing. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. As you know, the coronavirus pandemic has forced local and state governments to make some regulations to keep people safe. That means Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, must resort to live streaming their Wednesday night and Sunday morning services. Many churches are having to face the same shutdown to abide by social distancing regulations. If your church isn't able to live stream their service, we invite you to fellowship with us from the comfort of your home during this unfortunate time. Visit walkintruth.com and click on church. That's walkintruth.com. Click on church. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. God's saying, yes, you're going through a difficult time, Job, right now. Yes, we're going through a difficult time, an unprecedented time for us right now. But it's going to pass, and it's going to give birth to a new morning, a new joy, a new beginning. And that's my prayer. And when that new beginning comes, should God grant it to us, and I pray and I'm confident that he will, let us not forget this season, brethren. Don't forget what God did in your spiritual life at this moment because we forget so easily. The fourth cameo, if I'm counting right, is found in 39.5 of Job, and it's the wild donkey. Who sent out the wild donkey free? Who loosed the bonds of the swift donkey? To whom I gave the wilderness for a home. And the salt land could speak of the area of the Dead Sea for his dwelling place. He scorns the tumult of the city, the shoutings of the driver. He does not hear because he's not under a burden. He's free. Unlike his domesticated uh, partner, he's out in the wilderness. He's been set free. He's not under heavy burdens. And he explores the mountains for his pasture and he searches. Key words in verse 8, he explores and searches after every green thing. He frolics about, says one writer. He laughs at the commotion in town. He doesn't pay attention to the driver's shouting or commands. He's not under the heavy burdens, and Job wasn't either. Yet in his freedom, he must search. He must search for food. And here, I think the lesson is, Job, you must search for some answers, and you have been. What's the application? Well, when we're in the strange wilderness that God often puts us in, just like the children of Israel of 40 years in the desert. When we're in the wilderness, that's when we need to search for deeper answers. And the good news is that you're going to find God in the wilderness, and you're going to find answers also in the wilderness. Well, he will bring the manna and bring the water from the rock. See, the wild goat is free, and he can, he can traverse around and frolic around, but ultimately he still needs food. He needs sustenance, and so do we. And we have been such a free people of the United States. Man, we have so many incredible freedoms. We start to get petty about our little freedoms, about how long it takes to get our food in a drive through and what restaurant are we going to eat at. We have so many little things that we've made so big. And now we're in the desert places, and we're like, Lord, i got to learn to cook a quesadilla. Quesadilla. Lessons that we can learn here. You see, if you find yourself in the wilderness, hold on. 
God's still on the throne. Next, the fifth cameo is the wild ox, verse 9. Will the wild ox, God asking Job the question, consent to serve you? Or will he spend the night at your manger? Can you bind the wild ox in a furrow with ropes? Or will he harrow the valley, valleys after you? Will you trust him because his strength is great and leave your labor to him? Will you have faith in him that he will return your grain and gather it from your threshing floor? The wild ox, or some authors say the aurochs, is a powerful creature not subject to mankind. The bull is huge, surpassing six feet across its shoulders, with long horns pointed forward and a dark brown or black coat. Its horns combined with its brute strength make the animal very dangerous. In the book of Numbers, it says God is for Israel like the horns of the wild ox. The psalmist in Psalm 22, when uh, the Messiah is dying on the cross, it says, Psalm 22, 21, save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen, thou does answer me. This animal loves to graze in wooded areas and it's trying to grab it with ropes or have it plow the field. It's not what it, it, it does. It's a wild ox. It's, if you try to get in its way, it probably is going to just smash you. You need wisdom when it comes to this animal. It's not going to spend the night in your manger. If you try, lots of luck. So what's the point? Well, perhaps, can you tame the untamable, Job? There's some wild stuff out there beyond your control. <laughs> Yahweh's challenge for Job will come later to control Behemoth and Leviathan. We'll talk about those possible references even in some cases to dinosaurs. Do you have control issues? <laughs> I think we all could say we do. You remember when Jesus sent the disciples into the storm? He sent them into the storm and they were rowing against the wind and the waves and he waited for hours and they came to them walking on the sea. He was praying for them as they went up on the mountain, watching over his brethren, always with his eyes on us. And they rowed against the sea, and it was hard. And then Jesus came walking to them, and they were afraid. Fear is a natural thing that we all go through. But Jesus said, don't be afraid. It's me. And they invited him into the boat. And they got to their destination. See there, and we have an invisible virus that's spreading around the world, spreading in our country, and we're like, Lord, I... Some, some of you may be over the top with washing your hands and, and so, trying to be so careful. And you could almost be paralyzed by fear. But God's not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so we need to lean into him. And maybe this will help you. Maybe this will give you a moment of uh, kind of a chuckle or two. The next is the ostrich. The sixth cameo is the ostrich, a strange-looking bird indeed, some things about this life are just strange, aren't they? Paradoxical, if you will. Hard to figure out. Look at verse 13, Job 39. The ostrich's wings flap joyously with the pinion and plumage of love. The ESV has it as a question. But they are pinions and plumage. Are they plumage? pinions and plumage of love? Easy for me to say. Has it as a question. Uh, the New King James compares it to the stork. For she abandons her eggs to the earth, 14, and warms them in the dust. 
She forgets that a foot may crush them or the wild beast may trample them. She treats her young cruelly as if they were not hers. Though her labor be in vain, probably when she looks for food for them, she is unconcerned because God has, perhaps you could say she has a bit of a bird brain. When she lifts herself on high, she laughs at the horse and, it, and his rider. Now you say, why would she, the ostrich, strange looking bird, laugh at the horse and rider? Do you know that they've clocked an ostrich running at around 43.5 miles per hour, which is about as fast or faster than any race horse ever recorded? Isn't that interesting? This weird looking bird can outrun a race horse and outrun uh, by extension, any predator chasing it. Odd bird, the ostrich. And yet uh, it lays eggs about 20 times larger than a chicken's eggs. It has the largest eyes of any land animal. <laughs> Weird. It, it's, uh, it's got a long neck, enormous bird, uh, largest feathered creature on the planet. Uh, long necks, uh, it's small head, long necks, uh, Skinny neck, it, makes you, it does make you laugh. What's the point? What's the application of bringing the ostrich across the screen? I think this. There are many weird things in this world. Have you ever considered some of the insects of the world and why they're here? And some of the bushes and the, the things that have, uh, you know, needles. Why and what and what's going on? There's some enigmas, some paradoxes, some strange things in the world, and even viruses. Strange. I guess scientists may understand them. I don't really totally understand, but life is full of paradoxes. And there are creatures that are hard to understand, situations even more so. But one day we will find our answers fully in Christ when we know even as we are known. You're listening to I Lay My Hand on My Mouth, Part 2 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in the book of Job. Hey, just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Some of our church family and listeners like you have committed to helping this ministry remain on the radio and podcast. Look, we know times are uncertain and can be tough for some of you right now, so we're not asking for much. Whatever you can give is a huge help. Our broadcast covers more than 150 cities in five states, and our podcast reaches people around the world. It's really a huge blessing. But imagine if everyone listening right now who's never given before gave a little bit today. And by a little bit, I'm talking $5. Would you please donate $5 today? That's it. No more. Just $5. Please donate today at walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, brothers and sisters, friends that are listening in, it's such a privilege to have uh, an opportunity to encourage you through radio. And uh, as we study the book of Job together, to think about the lessons that God has in the book of Job and how ultimately the book of Job points to the greater Job, the most innocent sufferer of all time. His name is Jesus. And whenever we're going through a tough time, uh, and, I, and I'm preaching this to myself, my fallback is always Jesus. It's to look afresh to Jesus. It's to turn my eyes away from my problems and look to the author and perfecter of my faith. And my brother, uh, if you're a pastor listening right now, 
I know this is a tough time and, and you may feel the weight of the world on you. And I pray that you can cast that care to Jesus because he cares for you. Remember, he's the good shepherd. And as you follow him, he'll give you the ability and the perseverance to pastor the people that he's entrusted to you. Uh, maybe you're having a tough time at your fellowship. Maybe things are tight. I pray that the Lord would be your refuge and your strength uh, during this time. And He'd be ministering to you as you minister to others. So hang in there. God bless you. And and hey, if we can pray for you, uh, reach out to us and submit a prayer request. We'd be happy to pray for you. Walkintruth.com. You can also call the office. Uh, A pastor's on duty Monday, I'm sorry, Tuesday through Friday is our actual office hours. Tuesday through Friday, 9 to 4 p.m. Pacific time, 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. I'd love to invite you to worship with us this weekend as we live stream at 10 a.m. Pacific time and celebrate the Word of God, celebrate worship together, and use the technology that God has given us to stream our services. Sunday service is 10 a.m. You can go to walkintruth.com. Just click on the church tab. You'll find our your way to our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe, click on the bell, share it, and uh, worship with us 10 a.m. this Sunday. We look forward to spending time in worship with you. God bless you. Listen next week for part three and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching relevant to what we're all facing today called I Lay My Hand on My Mouth. Or maybe it should be the crook of your arm. I don't know. Hey, have a great weekend. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to reach out with God's truth to encourage, teach, and bless you during a time of hardship.